0: It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. Muckleshoot. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot.
1: Papa's Golden Boy has a lead by six lengths over Sluice Wiz, who's a clear cut second and cutting into the margin, but they only got a sixteenth of a mile left to travel. Papa's Golden Boy leads by three. Sluice Wiz outside second. Papa's Golden Boy wants the finish line. Papa's Golden Boy holds over Sluice Wiz. Papa's Golden Boy gets that two turn stakes victory.
2: Horse Racing Northwest. Thanks for joining us on our podcast from Emerald Downs. There's a, a lot of stuff to discuss on this week's cast. It's closing weekend at Emerald Downs, racing Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday, closing day, first race at 2 p.m. Joe Withy, Vince Brune, Bill Downs here. And we're going to have John Lindley and jockey agent David Marble Singer join us on the podcast. You just heard. Last year's Muckle Shoot Tribal Classic, Papa's Golden Boy won a two-turn race for the first time. And he defeated Slews Wiz, the mile hero of last year. Of course, Papa's Golden Boy, just uh doing some R R this summer. Didn't race at Emerald Down. Slews Tiz Wiz, a contender, uh, top contender in the Muckle Shoot Tribal Classic on Sunday, and possibly more season honors from him as he swept a lot of Categories last year. Vince, uh, you tabulate all the ballots. Uh, we've
3: got that coming up this weekend. We do. And uh one of the ones, usually it's kind of we got about a pretty pretty good feel on horse mm-hmm. of the meat by this time of year. Not so much this year. So a lot hanging in the balance this Sunday. And that that walk-up race last year, Papa's Golden Boy and Slews to his whiz, that was great. And then it was the it was it the Zip and sevens blazing Bella blue in the Philly and Mare, that was a tremendous race. And then we've got, uh, this will have certainly two-year-old implications, uh, a full field of 12 in the $70,000 Joe Gottstein Futurity. So yeah, 100 horses total entered on Sunday to close it out. That is great.
2: Okay, yeah, that's uh, almost 10 horses a race. And Bill Downs, his second season at Emerald Downs coming to a close. Bill, we got a lot of excitement coming up on sunday
1: and, and you're going to be heading out of town pretty quickly after the races yep uh, for those of you who don't know i don't live in the pacific northwest year-round just out here for the racing meet made to head back uh east to the eastern time zone i have to get used to watching uh, sports at uh, late hours yeah. of the night as opposed to out here you get done everything's done by uh, 10 o'clock at night and and uh, you know, the first couple uh, Sundays, NFL football. Yeah, you know, you guys start at 10 a.m. Uh, the game start and uh, and whatnot. But uh, yes, I will be heading back east right after the meet ends.
2: Yeah, Bill, uh, heading back to his home in Pittsburgh area. Uh but you know, other than Mariner season ticket holders, Bill might have been one of the more frequent game attendees yeah. this year well, uh, I did a lot get, of people would recognize you at those mariner games by now
1: well i kind of uh you know depending on how uh packed the uh the crowd is uh occasionally i'll actually buy real seats and otherwise i kind of buy the cheapest seat and then i go down the left field line by the left field foul pole and sit down there I know where everything is at, and uh, that are seems... you saying you don't sit in your assigned seat? Nope, nope. <laughs> do not do that. Rarely do I ever. I only do it a couple times a year. while I buy uh, kosher seats, and then uh, and I like moving around. Sometimes I'll even go uh, in the right field upper deck and be that uh, up there and just sit there for a few innings. Sometimes I'll just roam around the uh, outfield area, but uh, most of the time I'll uh, I'll be down, down that left field line, if you will. Okay,
2: well, we may hear more about the Mariners yes. later in this podcast. We've got our sports short segment in in the third and final uh, part of our show. So, uh, yeah, closing weekend, Saturday, eight races starting at five. We're going to award the Lindy and Durkin uh, titleists their best due on Saturday during the races. Uh, the Lindy Award, named for Lindy Allman for uh, basically an inspirational and a... Uh, a jockey that has uh, uh, popular in the jocks room, uh, gets along with people. I don't know. I'm looking for some words there, Vince, but uh, he
3: is a good, good citizen. Yeah, and professionalism. Yeah. You know, goes about his business the right way. He is, or she. He or she, and uh, is kind of a good role model for the other riders, how to conduct your business and uh, ride uh, hard and clean for the money out there and uh just go about your business uh you know the right way yeah
2: and that's a vote among his peers his fellow jockeys uh i'm not sure if the staff uh jocks room staff no it's strictly the jockeys who
3: vote yeah and uh we can say it is uh the guy who got it is alex cruz
2: okay alex cruz uh he's on his way pretty strongly to a fourth consecutive title and that has never been done in Western Washington. Oh, no, Eastern Washington, Yakima Meadows Playfair
3: included. Right. And the long history, you yeah. know, 100-year racing history just about, it has never been done. So that's quite a feather in his it cap. Is. And for the longest time this year, guys, it didn't look like he was going to get it. Luis Negron came in and right in first call for the very powerful Justin Evans outfit. Uh, got a little bit of a cushion early, but Alex Cruz... Uh, Never misses a day and he always rides hard, and the wind started piling up.
2: Yeah. And his agent, uh, Negron's agent, Radke's agent, David Marble Singer, joining us a little bit later today on this podcast. The Lindy Award named after Lindy Aliment, who was the Qu- clerk of scales for uh, close to 50 years. At Long Acres and Emerald Downs, and in between at Yakima Meadows, a highly respected individual in this sport.
3: I ever tell you the one story about Lindy when I brought a friend out; he'd never been to the track before, and he, after the race, he goes, "Why is Don Shula at the track?" I <laughs> hey, said, yeah. yeah. And I said, "No, no, that's that's Lindy Alman. He's the clerk of
2: scales." Yeah, that's right. Don Shula sported a fedora there in the '60s when he was yeah, and they kind of had the, the same Colts. facial features there. Yeah. So. Martin Durkin Award also on Saturday, and that is named for Martin Durkin, who was uh, in the state legislature and also a lobbyist and always kept the racing industry front and center and was very helpful to many causes in the thoroughbred industry in this state. And that's for a trainer that has shows cooperation and sportsmanship uh, participation throughout the meeting as well.
3: And that this year went to, went to- think was this her first or second year here jill serrano had a real good meet and then uh, a guy who mainly works for frank Lucarelli but has a few on his own and uh, has done well the last many years howie gibson Yep. a couple of uh awardees
2: to the durkin award this saturday and then we're going to have the season uh, the rest of those awards on sunday we're going to get to horse of course, the meeting scenarios and talk here in a moment and just tons of those this year as you mentioned off the top uh It's usually uh, down to just a couple of names, three at the most. But this year, it's pretty wide open. We have Dancing at the Downs, not this weekend, but next weekend, Saturday, September 23rd. Dancing at the Downs, that's on the fifth floor. You can get your tickets at emeralddowns.com, and you can save some money by buying your tickets online. Uh, Those have been pretty popular as those got resurrected um, earlier this year. Dancing at the Downs uh, starts
3: about 7 p.m. up on floor five. That is on. I think s- it's, isn't it eight? Is it eight? Yeah, the ones I worked anyway this winter and spring was started at okay. eight. I think Gates people opened at seven. Yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh,
2: hey, Vince Brune does such a fantastic job on those news and notes. Uh, just all the information down to the last detail. At emeralddowns.com go to the uh, news section news and notes and i think you've got that updated for this week it is yep. Yeah. great um and let's go over last week's uh weekly honor honorees okay
3: yeah this was for week 19 out of 20 our jockey of the week could have gotten it a couple weeks ago too Rocco bowen five wins mm first time he's won it this year our trainer of the week i don't think she's ever won it before kimberly johnston you know guys she's won with four of her last 10 starters wow. looking it up and they've all been prices too so uh i'd say she's over 20% for the meet yeah kimberly's doing a great job bill i think you picked her a couple times on top you were kind of on that bandwagon
1: a little bit earlier than yeah. uh, most of us well, she said my way i think maybe mm. uh, that is correct yeah she said my way Who's in this weekend, I know that. That's why I can look it up uh, real quick. Uh, yeah, it was September 2nd when she won it uh, at eight, about 8.5 to 1 uh, in a condition claiming race.
3: And our owner goes to uh, Dean Mazuka's two putts for the win, number 21 and trifecta king, the WTBO Washington bred. This is a good one. Goat Rocks, you know, um, bred by Clemens View Farm. This horse has gone from just a, a stone pop and stop type to... Being a pretty pretty darn good front runner and uh, showing steady improvement throughout the year, and yeah. this one's the older sister of uh, Rimrock Lame, who's uh, of course one of the favorites in the Godstein Futurity. So yeah, Rocks form.
2: is one of those that you know when you win a maiden claiming race, uh, that first start against winners is you know a lot of times pretty tough. But she's just, just jumped right in and run good race.
3: Really surprised. And, and the the maiden one was that day, maybe I think it was June 24th, the one time where every speed horse won that day. And I thought, well, that's the reason it okay. carried Goat Rocks to victory there. But the horse has proven to be more than that. So Jose Navarro doing a great job with that horse, Clemens View Farm. They've had a big uh, year uh, with Rimrock Lane also, uh, the breeder there. Quarter Cafe Groom goes to Jose Pena, uh, one of the many Excellent grooms at the Blaine Wright Barn. Uh, Top executive, Hollywood mistress. Just a couple of the horses that Jose grooms back there. Mm. Very good. Okay. So there is
2: uh, last week's honors. And again, uh, horse of the meeting is in the balance. Let's just talk about some scenarios. Uh, The defending champ is Sluz Tiz Whiz, and he has won the governors. He was third in the mile, and uh, he is in the Muckleshoot Tribal Classic if he wins on Sunday, he's going to be a top contender, fellas. I think you'll agree. And a lot that.
3: of people think that win might, I hate the jinx of a mere formality, at least on paper, he towers over the opponents there. And, uh, I, I probably would, would lean his way if, if he did get that win there, you know, his, both the sprints were outstanding against Bridle up to the bar and then, uh, beating Bridle up to the bar. And then, the mile, you know, it just didn't work out. He didn't have a great trip that day, and and Five Star General was in another, you know, just had too big a jump. He was never going to beat that horse on that day. So I, if
1: if he wins the Muckshoe Tribal Classic, I'd probably go that way, Bill. Yeah, I mean, he's in the top two for me for sure. The only one I would say is, uh, I, for me, is Clovis Connection because mm-hmm. he he took on uh, Lloyd's Logic and, uh, and 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 to me you know race of the meat one of the top two races of meat was that race the second uh, edition of uh, that little rivalry that mini rivalry that between those two and i think that was it, in the kent stakes was it yeah, you know, yeah yeah they
3: they basically hooked up the last three eighths, and it just a, a great race it looked like clovis was blowing by lloyd's really? Floyd's logic and that uh, was the irish day the right? irish day correct yeah, yeah sorry can't just for Phillies. It, yeah. it looked like Clovis Connection was just going to win for fun, but Lloyd's Logic ran great, and those two went head and head for for three eighths of a mile, pretty much.
1: Yeah. So to me, it's just those two.
2: Um, Okay, so Clovis Connection isn't going to run again, so he's got his standard. Yeah, we got to right say you got to tw-
3: run twice
1: to yes. be eligible. You
2: have to run twice. So. And
1: I, you know, to me though, it's it's you know the competition of the race and and the, how high of a quality of of the race it is mm-hmm. as well. So that's why yeah. I I would bring up Clovis Connection in terms of uh, potential. And I'm going back and forth. You know, Sluice to his whiz is going to go off at you know, not just odds on, he's going to go off at two to five or less probably, probably yeah. Yeah. in that race. Could have and made he, him any number there. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just, you know, he's going to go off as a huge favorite. And, you know, yes, he'll have to still run the race and all that, but he's going to win. He's going to win that race. It's well, just, you
3: know, I, I you know hope like Tom la- Wenzel's not listening because that's be <laughs> well. It, 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 I, I it's I nerve
1: say, wracking as you're a trainer it, or, or an
3: owner. When you got a horse, it's going to be a huge favorite. because Things do go wrong in races, especially, A horse like um, Sluice Tiz Wes, who is not, you know, he he comes from behind and more things are apt to go wrong. I agree with you. I'd be surprised if he lost, but certainly don't want to jinx him.
1: No, uh, but I would also point that, you know, last year when... He he after the long acres mile, he ran two more times and and got beat. Both times, yeah. Yeah. You know, that was career that was start six and seven during that our our racing meet. And this year, this is only gonna be start number four. Yeah, good point. So he's 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 gonna win the race. I'm 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 gonna say a lead pipe cinch. How's that? (laughs) Okay. As long as he breaks from the gate properly. You know, you don't break from the gate. Then all 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 uh, bets are off. Maybe, maybe it's will. my
3: journalism background. i am just just taught never to assume anything in life because if you do, you get in trouble. Yeah. And wow. uh, but yeah, no, he's certainly if if all things being equal, he you know he's going to beat those horses. The only wild card in that race is Gold Crusher because he has won routing here before, and he's going to be. Quite a bit in front of Sluice to his Wiz early, and uh, that would might make me a little nervous if he's alone on the lead
1: there. Yeah, but you got horses like it. it's cracking time, and 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 Company's Dream, and you know coming out of sprint races, so there's going to be no free bingo spot on the front yeah. end. And like I said, I, I I'll be flabbergasted if Sluice to his Wiz doesn't win that uh, Muckle Shoe Travel Vince
2: Ben makes the morning line, and
1: what is he? you got him one to two or so
2: four, or to, four five. to five? Okay.
3: Not too often I I go that low, as Bill knows, and he chastises me for it frequently. Um, Those who know me, I mean, and look, if you make a horse four to five, people get the point. He's, 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 you know, clearly the class of the field. Okay,
2: well, if he wins, he's going to have two stakes wins and a third in the mile with one loss. Blazing Bella Blue could win the... Washington Cup, Philly or Mare, she'll be favored there. That'd give her two stakes wins and some solid efforts. She traded decisions with Tizamacho Girl. Won. She's
3: certainly one of the most admirable horses in the yeah. track, and that she shows up every time, you know. And she's hasn't had the best racing luck at the meet this year. A couple times, and uh, went up to Canada since her last start and ran third there. And pretty uh, good third, pretty good third. But we've to got that a horse. horse
2: that's like seventeen for yeah.
3: twenty-two. And we got an interesting shipper coming in for Tim McKenna named Anthony's Cleopatra in that race, who's probably, eh, that's debatable who's going to be fair. It's going to be one of those two for sure, but that horse has some credentials.
2: Yeah, she had a fantastic three-year-old season last year. Uh, Clovis Connection is unbeaten. He's got that going for him. Two outstanding sprint victories, and those who follow know that he went down and won a two-turn race right after his uh, two-race stake-winning at Emerald Downs. Aloha Breeze was spectacular in her sprints. She was three for three, two stakes wins, Uh, was pushed to some just tremendously fast fractions in the Oaks, faded in that race. So just one loss for her. Appeal factor is not going in the Gottstein, the Philly by the factor. She won both of her starts, both stakes, very impressively. And uh, a two-year-old to get in there and beat those horses for horse of the meeting would be a little bit difficult, um, but they would certainly get strong consideration if not slam
3: dunk for yeah. their own division. Regardless of, of that, I mean, she was really, really good. and I, Appeal know, factor? Up, yeah, yeah, I don't care what the buyers say because, like Bill pointed out, that slam she took in her career debut a little yeah. bit out of the gate, most, most inexperienced horses would have shut it down at that point.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm you know you mentioned Phillies. I'm interested to see you know has got a couple in the Godstein and and one of the two is LaPush, who she's got talent. Now she, you know, are you gotta,
2: handicapping that race later?
1: Yeah, I am. I, I am too. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll talk about we'll it a little that. bit later. But uh You can say it now it, if yeah. you want. No, but uh has got two interesting uh runners in, in the Godstein yeah. and you know if she were to win that race, you know, that's kinda like the signature
3: yeah, I would agree with you. That would make her two for two and beating the boys in a 12-horse field right. routing off of one sprint. Yeah, right. no, that's, yeah. so
2: it's that. Exactly. If his Wiz and Blazing Bella Blue fail, you'd look at her. And if Rimrock, Rake, rimrock Lake wins the Godstein, he's going to be three for three with two stakes wins. So yeah. Yeah. he'd look pretty darn good after sure. that race yeah. as well. So lot, lots and lots of scenarios here in 2023 for Horse of the Meeting, and of course the two-year-old honors uh, are definitely up in the air. Um, We talked a lot about Clovis Connection. He's pretty darn
3: much a slam dunk, if we're gonna use that term for top three-year-old. Yeah, and you know, he showed his quality, as we mentioned before, going down to Santa Rosa and winning a route stakes on turf, wire to wire. Blaine Wright just really good in the three-year-olds this year because he shipped in Prince Abu Dhabi to win the The Muckleshoot Derby, you know, and that could have been one of the uh, training achievements, uh, certainly on a short list of training achievements for the year, too, sweeping the three-year-old stakes. Okay, so uh, we will
2: have the honorees in the winner's circle after certain races. uh, We're going to do some after the fifth and sixth on Sunday, but we've really got to wait until those three stakes races are run, the seventh, eighth, and ninth races the Washington Cup, Philly or Mare, the Muckleshoot Tribal Classic, the Godstein Futurity. So we'll have more honor honors bestowed after race 10 and Bill makes some announcements on covering the other winners that uh, when we run late and toward that 11th race. So don't jump in your car and head east until all that's done, Bill. Okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's going to be backed up and ready to go. You get you get the 11th race official. That's the end of the uh, the uh, the, uh, there you the go. agreement. That's- all right. You've got nothing
3: on your predecessor, Tom Harris. He used to he used to be out of here pretty fast after that last race on closing day too. We,
2: and we used to get race calling experience because of Tom uh
3: He commuted on from Spokane or, every week. And yeah. that's 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 well, a he, drive.
2: Didn't we go Thursdays and then Saturdays or something? That one that COVID so year we did, after, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he'd come back. Yeah. He'd leave Thursday night and come back Saturday. Uh leading sire is uh, going right down to it again. Harbor the Gold has won eleven of the last thirteen leading sire of races. One titles. Uh, he was edged out by a brage last year, who's looks like he's number three on your list there. But Harbor the Gold leads Coast Guard sixteen to fifteen heading into the final yeah. nineteen race. Coast Guard
3: a couple wins last week makes it close. I haven't looked who's got how many starters. I haven't either. The- But I certainly will be looking after each race to see who the winning sire was. Okay. Well, there's uh, some early
2: talk. Closing weekend upon us. And uh, the BC Derby and the BC Oaks are Saturday as well up at Hastings. And, of course, you can watch and wager on those races right here at Emerald Downs. Jamie's Inheritance is the favorite in the BC Oaks after winning our Oaks and then going up to Northland or a Century Mile and winning the Oaks up there.
3: You know, I know the figure was low in in the Oaks here, and it was kind of a setup with the crazy early fractions. But that was an eye catching run she made that day. You know, you know, Bill picked her up on the turn, and oh boy, she was flying by those horses. And yeah, she she showed her quality going up north for Bridge yeah, Rennie and Charles Essex. Made yeah, made
2: that big move on the turn again. She's favorite for the BC Oaks. So uh, you can keep track of those races at Emerald Downs on Saturday as well. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We're going to come back with John Lindley of Parker's Picks and Emerald Downs Television. We'll be right back here on
0: Horse Racing Northwest. It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot.
2: Horse Racing Northwest continues and John Lindley joins us. John has just done a fantastic job over the years. Uh, His Parker's sheet available for $2 tip sheet at customer service stands and uh, program stands as well just two bucks and he's been doing that since the mid 80s at long acres and uh john john has sat next to me so many days the last few years and his uh, memory of each horse is just just incredible on their trips he watches those replays to do the trip notes which since uh, you, you've got comments from near and far on those,
3: uh, I tell you, I couldn't do the morning line without him. Yeah, because you know, um, I you know, I remember a lot of things that happen in the races, but he's really nuanced. You know, it's little things that can make a big difference. So, no, I just I, again for for free for handicappers. I mean, if you don't use it, folks, you really should because it's uh it's a great handicapping tool.
2: Yeah, I often write down a little T over on the right there, meaning trouble, and then I, if I can't look it up right then, then I'd make sure I do that before I make my selections in that race. So John is joining us here on Horse Racing Northwest. John, welcome.
4: Hey Bill, Vince, and Joe, it's great to be on on a closing weekend, It's surprisingly an 80 degree day today.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a beautiful weekend here for our Saturday afternoon start and our Sunday at 2 p.m., and uh, John had a had a good weekend. Not surprising there betting. Um, and John, it's happened a few times this year where uh, your top pick uh, and you uh, you go to the horse that you think is going to win, and you know that's going to be the favorite quite a bit. But he's made some nice scores um, on not that big of tickets, but using his second choice and getting a lot of five-to-ones in there, and that that worked again last Sunday, didn't it?
4: Yeah, I think, as everybody knows, and most people listening to the show, when you look at a card or a series of races, one of the first things that I look at, of course, is, you know, what what are the uh, horizontal bets look like? And if it looks like there's a couple races with maybe some vulnerable favorites and or a race or two or You don't have to use too many horses, hopefully. Um, You know, those are the type of bets that, uh, you know, are small amounts, like you mentioned, and can pay very, very well. And Sunday was one of those days where a couple of the second picks were, I think people considered them contenders, but there were some heavier favorites that maybe others might have singled. And they looked a little vulnerable to me. And Joe and I talked about them on the show, and it turned out that some of the favorites didn't run as well. And a couple of those second picks came in and... That, you know, got, came into a nice pick fours and pick five payoffs. And I think we're all kind of looking for that. And, you know, maybe tomorrow will be a vertical day, but it might not. We'll see how, how the races look. Um, I think a lot of us are all kind of having the same information. You know, when I started, it was very easy to get all sorts of extra information because of daily racing form in the 80s. There were no trip notes. There were no bias information. There were no speed figures or anything like that. And of course, over the last few decades, um, that's all been gone away. All that information is out there, and as you mentioned, even the race notes are free. So, when you look at races, I think you're kind of looking a lot at the same information and just kind of interpreted it differently. And sometimes you make the right calls.
2: John Lindley joining us. Yeah, the the pick five last Sunday, which John had on his Parker's sheet for eighteen dollars. The pick five paid. Uh, four hundred and uh four hundred and seventy seven dollars the pick five you got young life laura your second pick in there at five to one and uh, miss bella paid almost ten dollars to win and you ended up with hulk who was odds on in the last that was uh uh some dicey moments there as he was the best horse, but he couldn't get through on the inside until pretty late but uh, anyway, you do end up playing a lot of your suggested picks on your sheet because uh, you have spent the time, and that's how you handicap those races, correct?
4: Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, I approach a card. I, you know, Back in the 80s when I started, you only had one set of races to look at. You didn't have all these tracks and all these other races. And Even though now, maybe starting in the mid-90s, you had all the, those options around, I still look at a card from just the one perspective and, and when there's a day, like I mentioned, where you have three or four races in a row that you can kind of have strong opinions, narrow it down, and potentially um, upset, even if they're not big upsets, like you mentioned. You don't, to, you, know, you don't need to have a $40 horse in there. Of course, those would be nice. But um, that, those are the type of cards that I want to be aggressive on. And as you mentioned, I do bet very similar on my sheet with minor changes here and there. But I don't like to spread. I don't like to use four or five horses in a race. I feel like I'm doing that. I'm kind of lost in the race, and I probably shouldn't be involved in that horizontal bet, and maybe I'll look to a, a vertical bet, you know, trifectas, superfectas, and this such. But, um, no, I'm pretty much going to do what's on my sheet, because that's where I hand it out. There's always late changes and such, but a lot of times, um, if my sheet has a good day, I probably did, and if it doesn't, I'd probably hope to come back tomorrow and recover.
1: Now, John, what do you do after Emerald Downs ends? Do you have a, a another circuit that you uh, spend time on? I, Southern California, obviously, would come to mind.
4: Yeah, I, for me, you know, it's changed depending on what options it used to be. I know Bill may have been aware of this, but I concentrate on Portland Meadows pretty strong for a number of years, and when Portland closed, um, it kind of left me with New York and Santa Anita, only because I'm a little familiar with those horses. I, I don't have a lot of familiarity with a lot of other tracks, but I'm able to obviously watch California racing on a regular basis and and New York racing just because you know it's the track you you know the biggest East Coast track open. So this year, of course, the Breeders' Cup's in the um, west 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 coast, so I'll be going to that. So I'll probably be watching you know like everybody else the big races at Keeneland and Churchill and well, Belmont, which is now Aqueduct in California, going into that. And then after that, I don't know, because we don't have Turf Paradise, we don't have Portland, and, you know, Golden Gate's up in the air. So I don't know what I'll do. We'll have to see what comes around January. But right now I'm just going to look forward to the Breeders' Cup. Okay,
2: yeah, well, you'll still have New York and Southern Cal, for sure, all year long. John Lindley is our guest, and John also had uh, six out of eight races selected properly on Saturday's card as well. And uh, John, you know, I will say this. If I if I was going into a track cold, and, you know, we all know how to handicap. We all are confident we can pick a good horse to, to bet on. Um, but if I knew at a different track that I could buy a tip sheet that had uh, your – Expertise and your discernment, and your study, and your uh, production of quality—I would certainly buy that tip sheet. So there's a there's a a uh, plug for John's Parkers, and you might uh, see more of those hanging around in the future if uh, this word gets out a little bit better. But again, John's been around for a long time, so really.
4: Well, thanks, Joe. I, I think you know when you and I are on the show. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of the races, but all the exotic bets, of course, um, we don't really get into too much there, but, uh, I think we're, we do really good giving out information. You come very well prepared. And of course, like you said, you know, how to handicap too. And then I, I do a little more detail on the handicapping, but, um, you know, I think for Emerald, uh, our sh- the show that you have there is, you know, definitely one of the more important ones around the country.
2: Well, that's good, and you're certainly a big part of that. Uh, did you get a chance to look at the year-end ballot at all? I didn't really prep you on that. I know Vince would have sent you one, um, voting for the top honors. We we discussed just a few minutes ago The all the scenarios for Horse of the Meeting, which include, you know, Slew's Tis Whiz, Clovis Connection, Blazing Bella Blue, Aloha, Breeze, Appeal Factor, even uh, another two-year-old or two, uh, Rimrock Lake and La Push, uh, um, some of your opinions on some of those top horses this year.
4: Yeah, I think as, you know, we only have a few limited races with the stakes horses now just because of our season, and, you know, Aloha Breeze, as everybody saw, was so dominant in her sprint victories, and in her one try to route, you know, scenario was against her dramatically there. Um, as a three-year-old filly, it's probably pretty rare for her to be horse of the meet, but um, she definitely was as dominant as you could be in her division. Mm-hmm. And then when you got to the older horses, um, it's a it's a tough call, like you said, because Tizws legitimately was the legitimate horse to beat in the mile and going into this year, and he showed up in all three races, but he did get beat twice. And going to be, you know, odds on. I'm guessing on Sunday there and. A couple of others you mentioned were also super impressive. Even Tax Code, who never was able to jump into stakes company, and I know he's not really going to be in contender in any of those things. You know, he might have just missed the mile because of a, a minor issue. I don't know, but he ran some huge races, and I'm guessing connections are going to point him towards next year. But no, I haven't seen the, the list yet. But um, okay, you know we do have to wait for Sunday's result because That's who's with is running there? Definitely, and you know that could definitely change and. You know, it was interesting that last year he won the mile and he won it impressively. And I think he's even better this year. Yet he got, he got deep, you know, four or five lengths. But, you know, five star general ran a race that puts him in, at least in my opinion, in the elite mile company with like Skyjack and Wild Wonder. I mean, it was a race that we, it was just a dominant effort in a really fast time relative to the surface. And lose Tiz running third there was no disgrace. He just ran into a horse who, Uh, was a cut above of a lot lot of mile winners, a lot of more recent ones, for sure.
2: Yeah, Vince has tax code on the category of sprinter. I mean, he was three wins, two seconds from five, and uh, was really good. I think he had a lot of trouble in one of those. He did, when he got beat by Miss the Boat, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, John, uh, just some really valuable information. You know, John brings another thing to the table. John, you can... Um, he's kept track of trainers since Emerald Downs began. On uh, John, is it first-time starters in uh, two and three-year-old maiden races? You've got you've come up with some good information there.
4: Yeah, I have kept since opening day of '96 every trainer that has made a start of a two-year-old, and I separate two-year-olds from three-year-olds mm-hmm. and whether or not that horse won the race. So. I think it's interesting that there are definitely differences in some barns between what they do with the two-year-olds first out and what they do with their three and up, the type of, when I, when I mean differences, in terms of the percentage of wins.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and then the, surprisingly, there are some barns that whose percentage of wins are much lower than you'd expect them to be relative to their overall training method, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's good to have a horse slowly um, improve rather than run their best lifetime race or first start. But as, as you mentioned, I think some of them are surprising. Some of the, the barns, and there's some barns that have never won with the first-timer in 27 years of of um, running at Emerald Downs. Now, again, there are smaller barns that don't start a lot of them, but um, I think that can help definitely narrow down some horses when you're looking at two-year-old uh, first-time starters and three and up. But um, you know, every once in a while somebody jumps up and does something surprising, but it's been pretty consistent over the years which barns have been ready and which ones tend to, you know, a race or two before they'll run their best.
2: Yeah, I snapped my neck looking over at you a couple times when you were out. Well, this trainer, surprisingly, hasn't won a uh, three and up maiden race with a first time starter since 2003, you know, and, uh, and the trainer has won a yeah, lot I go of back, races. I go
4: back pretty far, and, and I'm not throwing them out. <laughs> I still have those records because you never know, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I don't know if you remember uh, Hilltop or a, a long time ago. He, he was a one eyed horse that ran, I, I want to say. Hilltown? I want to say he was a Hilltop one eyed well, horse well, there was, at Emerald Dirt.
2: Hilltown was that chestnut that uh, Barbara Radcliffe campaigned that was, he, he, I think he might have won one stake.
4: And, and the, the, the short story is you know he ran in the northwest and i knew he had one eye and then he he left town and was running somewhere else and oh a couple of years passed two or three years passed and he had drawn inside post and a bunch of races and his form looked terrible and this particular day he drew an outside post and i knew just because of you know the fact that he had that one eye that he probably ran a lot lot better at a big price and those are the things, just like the trainer records that go way back, that you never know at some point somewhere that you're going to see something, you're going to remember, oh, yeah, and then you kind of get lucky and catch a good price horse. And the kind of same with those trainer records. There's some trainers that only have started a few horses over a long period of time in Ember, but their records are surprisingly good.
2: All mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, take a look at your ballot. Vince is going to need some info from you over the weekend. A lot of those, of course, uh categories aren't going to be decided till the stakes races on sunday and even claimer the meet uh, um, dirt road red looks awful solid there with his five wins and he's even running again in the 10th race so uh but take a look at your ballot you always fill one out and we definitely like your expertise in there
3: yeah john you should have your ballot now and uh We, like Joe said, we won't be able to do many things until after 7, 8, and 9 on Sunday. But your ballot is a very learned one at uh, Emerald Downs. You got a great opinion, um, and you're a very good handicapper. And as again, I'll say those trip notes are a very valuable part of uh, Emerald Downs for many, many years.
4: John? Yeah, hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on today, and I'll see you guys in a yep. little more than 24 hours.
2: See you soon. Thanks so much. John Lindley joining us. And again, uh, even if you are, think you are a good handicapper, which uh, many of us are confident in our own, but uh, John's uh, suggested wagers have been pretty darn strong again this year. Okay, we will come back in a moment with our third segment, third and final segment. David Marble Singer is going to join us, the top agent at Emerald Downs for jockey agent for many years. We'll be right back on Horse Racing Northwest.
0: It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines or dining on the finest Asian, American and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. In, Muckleshoot.
2: Jockey agent David Marble Singer, who joins us here on Horse Racing Northwest. Marbles, good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon, Joe.
2: Good to have you on. Uh, and just another year of hard work, uh, resulting in uh, success for you and your riders. Congratulations, man.
5: Thank you, yeah. Thank you. Been uh, very fortunate this year again.
2: Well, you know, you uh, you've had a lot of success here in recent years. You swept the top three last year. I mean, what happened this year? You're you're running one, two, four this year. I don't know.
5: Yeah, yeah, we 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 uh, sagged there a little at the end.
2: Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's rewarding for you financially, and uh, you're highly coveted among the jockeys. Tell us how it all came together. Now, you did have Kevin Radke and, of course, Alex Cruz last year. Um, and Luis Negron was new to your stable of uh, riders this year. Um, tell us how that came about.
5: Well, actually, uh, Justin had called me when I was down in California, probably in uh, uh, I don't know, it was probably in March or something and, 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 uh, with me about what I thought about him coming to Emerald Downs. And I, I, you know, I strongly encouraged him and thought that, you know, he would do very well up here and he has. And, uh, he encouraged me, you know, if he was coming to take Luis uh, Louise Negron because he had brood for him for the last uh, few years and, and I said, well, if, you're, if he's coming with you, I, I would love to have him. And he's been a, he's a been a great young man to work for, hard worker, shows up every day, you know, and uh, does a good job.
2: Yeah, really good job. Had a nice lead on Alex Cruz for much of the season, and uh, Cruz has been able to overcome that. Um, what does, uh, Luis do well as a rider? I know he's had a little bit of a knee issue here the last, uh, month or so.
5: Yeah. He hurt his knee originally in at turf paradise and, uh, and then he dealt with that and he got it, you know, where it wasn't bothering him near as much. And then he had an incident at the gate here. I think it was way back in July and, uh, and and wrenched it again real bad. And he has kind of toughed it out and rode through it. And, uh, you know, so he hasn't been a hundred percent. I don't believe, you know, he says he is, but, but, you know, I can tell the way, the way he walks, obviously Mm -hmm. that, you know, he does not look a hundred percent, but he's toughed it out and done it, done a great job, shows up for work every day. And, uh, yeah, he he's opted out of the last week and gone to Louisiana Downs to start working there. Hm. okay. There's some get, news. Or, yeah, to, to get ready for the season there.
3: Hey, uh, Marbles, Vince here. I remember talking to Alex a few days before the meet started, to write a little story, and he he made no bones about it. His goal was to, to win another title, and he is pretty pretty focused guy, uh, I would imagine, uh, to work for.
5: He he is uh he's the best. I, I've never had the experience of working for someone as tough and gritty and determined hmm. you know, with without complaints and you know, people do not understand, you know, fully what it takes to repeat four times. There are so many moving parts. You know, the mental part the physical part is a big one mm-hmm. you know he's he's rode through injuries that people don't even know about you know the beginning of this meet he was coming off a very bad spill in, in Turf Paradise and uh, you know we couldn't even you know let people know how bad he was injured he come here and rode hurt and rode through it the first you know he wasn't 100% Not at all, but he would not show it. Never let, let anyone know that. And, uh, you know, the emotional part for, for him to repeat four times, he's had dealt with a serious illness last year for about a month and only took off one day, you know, and, and I don't know any rider would have rode through, you know, what he was going through. So I, I mean, to, to repeat four times is, yeah. is very unique. As well, you know, it's never been done in Washington in the history of Washington racing.
2: That's right. It has never been done. And uh, your respect for him comes out right there in the last couple minutes. And also, we've heard it in seasons before. But, uh, hey, it's right there on paper. And paper money, uh, Alex Cruz, has been tremendous. And those are his only four seasons up here in the Northwest. He is... Uh, with Luis Negron going uh, leaving
3: early, I mean, Cruz is going to win his fourth title. Pretty incredible, yeah. And especially this year, we had we had a pretty deep colony of of we talented did. riders for the horsemen to to choose between. And uh, Alex just to use a cliche would not be denied. He was going to get that title.
5: Yeah. He, and Alex hasn't had an easy path. You know, he has not rode for a lot of the larger barns. You know Frank Lucarelli. He rides the odd horse for Blaine Wright, and he don't ride for Tom Wenzel. Yeah, and and that's kind of been the case through these four years that he's done this. And so he he's a blue collar rider. He he comes to work and he rides every horse hard. I've never had a rider do a ride so hard for fourth money. You know he 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 gives you hundred percent on every horse
1: marbles bill here um what do you do after the meet Uh, especially now with a lot of uncertainty with uh, turf paradise and maybe not as much uncertainty with golden gate for the short-term future but are you you stay out west or or do you have to even take a look uh, at other uh, venues uh, to potentially go and work at
5: i normally do i went to golden gate last year with uh, kevin and kevin and frank alvarado there and we got very well, and uh, but to be honest with you, I believe I'm I'm not definite on it, but I believe I'm going to take some time off. Okay, I think a, he... take a little bit of a break.
2: Well, you are one hard worker. Uh, John Lindley and I saw you walking away from the winter circle, kind of toward the paddock uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you were shaking your head and mumbling to yourself, and walking really fast because. Uh I think Negron had hurt his knee and uh um let's see, uh, Cruz and uh Rad
5: Rad Key. I got, two riders got hurt the at tape the gate. That day.
2: That's right, and Cruz had a mount, and you couldn't find a replacement for a live horse. Who ended up winning, and you, were, we were we were laughing pretty good there. You're just your head's going back and forth, your mouth is moving. <laughs>
5: yeah, it was. Uh, it, there was among other frustrations yeah. on that day too. On top of it, okay, so one of them days, you know. Yeah. But uh, I have to have to count my blessings. I've been very blessed here.
2: Yeah, you, yeah, your hard work has paid off. And Kevin Radke, uh, you've just brought him up. Uh, he won that Fresno meet last fall. Uh, is he heading back there?
5: Yeah, he he's heading back there. Okay. And uh, Alex Cruz is also going. Okay. And Alex is trying to to convince me to go with him. Um, I I I'm not saying I'm not going. I, but I, I you know, I at this point I'm not planning to okay. want to take a little time off.
2: Okay. And then Kevin also, so, as you mentioned, you were down at Golden Gate. He won the fall meet or tied for first last
5: year as well, didn't he? Yeah, yes he did. Mm-hmm. And he was leading stakes rider there at the fall meet. That is true. Yeah, we we everything fell into place for us.
2: Yeah. That is great. And I, I do want to ask you about Juan Gutierrez, who is our track's all-time leading jockey. You had him for several years and did tremendously well with him. Um, he opted not to come back, and I haven't talked to him myself. Um, is he officially retired, or do you want to even comment on that?
5: I, I don't have the information to really comment on okay. it. I talked with him in the spring, and uh and, Anyway, yeah, I don't have a lot of comment on that. That's fine, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Juan maybe come back next year. Wouldn't Juan
2: surprise me. Was just the perfect size and strong upper body and fit as a fiddle, and got horses out very of the gate, consistent. finished well. Yeah, he well, he's number one all time at this track. So, uh, yep, well, we'll
5: consistent.
2: let we'll let time decide that one. But uh, Cruz and Radke headed toward. Uh, the Fresno meet down in California. Luis Negron headed to the state of Louisiana, where Justin Evans is going as well to Delta Downs. And uh, I yeah. know you you didn't have Rocco Bowen in your stable this year, but you were, uh, of course, have a strong relationship with Rocco. Do you know what his plans might be for the fall?
5: Um, he's uh, planning to go to Oakland in December. Okay. In December, he's he's riding at Thistle and and he has talked with me, wanted me to come back to Delta Downs and Justin wants us to go back there and ride for him and uh, he he would like to ride both places, Thistle and Delta, because they run different days and they overlap one day, but Delta runs at night. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to have a conversation about that.
3: One thing's clear, Marbles. You got a lot of options. You got a yeah. lot of jockeys wanting your business.
5: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very grateful, very fortunate. I've had uh, a lot of great clients here to work with that have trusted me, and uh, and and very fortunate. Actually, this is uh, our ninth straight title up wow. here.
2: That is fantastic.
5: In, in eleven years, so you know, I just. I'm very very grateful for emerald downs and and all the you know everybody here
2: well good for you and everybody
5: we're, here and all the writers and trainers that are you know have worked with me.
2: He's trying to relax a little bit and he's <laughs> and he wants to relax a little, but boy these riders uh, writers want him to work for them. so Marbles David Marble's singers has some uh decisions to make here i'll say
3: i've told you this before joe when i go in the stable area sometimes i think marbles he's got triplets because didn't i just see him at the race (laughs) office and i go back to this barn. there he is again didn't it tease you know you do make the rounds back there and you've got the cell phone going at all times and it's just you know it's it's no mystery to me why why those guys want you handling their book
2: and he's a guy that. thank you You know, if you want to fill in a couple gaps there on who's coming up for the mile, you ask uh, Marbles as well. He's got to uh, make sure his riders have a a live mile mount every year, and he keeps his uh, uh, ear on that one too. But, uh, hey, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, Again, congratulations. Uh, Hard work can pay off, and it has for
5: you. Well, thank you, guys. I I appreciate you, you having me on. You guys do a great job.
2: Thanks, David. Marbles Singer. Let's call him Marbles. Okay.
5: Thanks, thanks, Joe. Thanks, thanks everyone. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. Let's have a good last weekend. You bet. Looking forward to it. All right. See you at the track. Bye-bye. All right.
2: Marbles, uh, nine titles in 11 years. I didn't realize he had won nine straight. And so many... You know, I mean, what was he first, second, third, two years previous to oh, this? yeah, and this year it was one, three, one, two, four, which is an upset. Yeah. Now he he is. Uh, they all want to have him as their agent, and I and we can see why. Okay. Uh, thanks so much to our guests, John Lindley, David Marble Singer. Both those fellas, huge parts of Emerald Downs, and. Uh, it's time for some sports shorts. I'll, I'll go first. I got a crazy one today. I'll go, I'll go second because okay. I know
3: I know where we're going for
2: So I was thinking, Bill. you know, I don't know how it got me, but Jim Catfish Hunter, you who bet. was just an awesome pitcher, and he pitched game six of the 1978 World Series, if you remember. For the Yanks. Yeah. And uh, they took him out, I think, in the seventh, and he pitched a great game. I think he gave up one earned run, and, uh, you know, he got the win. They won the World Series, and I was thinking that was his last start ever. So that's kind of got me going on you know these pitchers in the World Series. but then I looked did and, and he did pitch the next year for the Yankees. He didn't pitch a, you know, have a full season like he had for so many years. So I looked him up with the Oakland As, 72, 73, 74 the As won the title. he was money. He was a 20 game winner all three of those years. 21 and 7, 21 and 5, 25 and 12. So that got to me to think. He was he
3: was not an overpowering pitcher no. either. He could get a strikeout if he needed one.
2: I think he won 20 games five straight years. But so teams that have won three consecutive World Series, only the New York Yankees of 1998, 99, and 2000 did not have a pitcher, an individual pitcher who won 20 games. Three straight years. The Yankees didn't have it. Only David Cohn won 20 games in 98. The Yankees of the 30s, with, uh, they won um, four straight titles. Red Ruffing won 20 games all four of those years in the 30s. Then in 49 to 53, the Yankees won five straight titles. Vic Raschi won 21 games, three straight years. And then Catfish Hunter won those three in a row for Oakland, and so those are all what, your three or more consecutive World Series. What about Series. the
3: Whitey Ford years? They didn't win three. They in never a row did.
2: Huh? They never did win three straight. So uh, it's only been happen. It's only happened with those four teams that have won three straight World Series, and only the Yankees of the recent era. And nobody's won two World Series in a row since the Yankees of two thousand. That's right. Okay. Yeah, nobody's yeah. Won two in a row. So that was a offshoot deal, but it's a little baseball. I just tried to get on
3: some baseball there before Bill goes oh. to the diamond. I'll go a little football here. Okay. Uh, Seahawks stubbed their toes big on opening oh day against the Rams. Last year in week four, they played at Detroit. This week they play at Detroit. The over-under on October 2nd, 2022, was 47 and a half. Do you remember that game last year? Seattle? I do. Seattle 48, Detroit 45. I didn't remember the score. I knew it was high scoring. That was the kind of really Geno Smith's first big game. He went 23 for 30, 320 yards, two TDs. Jared Goff was 26 for 39, 378 yards, four TDs. Rashad Penny had 17 rushes for 151 yards. Um... Detroit was minus three and a half in that game. And then uh, Detroit's one of the real uh, touts this year people yeah. are talking about. They're minus five hosting the Seahawks this weekend. So one thing, you know, I always tell people, you know, you know, I was taught a long time I don't get too high or too low on what happens in week one in the NFL. And it's kind of served me well over the years. So we'll see if... Uh, Pete Carroll has a pretty good track record of bouncing back after bad loss. So we'll see. This is going to be a very, very tough assignment for Seattle going into the home opener for the Lions. So uh, interesting game. And if it's half as entertaining as last year's one, it should be a lot of fun. And I have just
2: a follow-up on that. I was listening to a podcast last night, and uh, this guy, his name's Steve Fezik. He's a respected Vegas football handicapper, real analytical guy. He said one of the best bets in NFL history is – Betting 0 and 1 teams against 1 and 0 teams.
3: Really? In week number two.
2: Bet, bet on the 0 and 1 team against the 1 and 0 team. And it's just this huge well, percentage. You get
3: all these Colin Cowards out there that are ready to <laughs> proclaim Super Bowl titleists yeah. or coaches needing to be fired after one game. So it'll be interesting. It was really interesting. And Bill, you saw it. You know, we had talked to you about uh, Aaron Rodgers a lot, and he only <laughs> took four snaps. Whoa. For the Jets. The Jets somehow still won that game, which to the chagrin of me and Joe, yeah. um, but that's going to be interesting going forward. The Jets, they have some talent, but they're going to need a quarterback.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Zach game. Wilson Zach is probably Wilson, not good enough. No, he's just not very good, no. Not at all. And then my Packers this week are travel to Atlanta. Aaron Jones not practicing. Mm. They do have a capable backup in A.J. Dillon, but Jones gives them more of a home run uh, capability and better out of the backfield. Also, Christian Watson, who didn't play against the Bears, probably not going to be playing mm. against Atlanta. I, um, you know, I know he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday is usually the big, big day, and Friday's important too. That's kind of like if you don't practice Thursday or Friday. Thursday's you probably...
3: the pads day, right?
1: Yeah, but yeah. Friday's also important too because you don't really do you. You know, you're traveling on Saturday, or you know, or you're you're not really practicing before uh, the big game in terms of any real contact. Uh, So, yeah, there's been a line switch a little bit. Packers were bet early in the week as a one-point favorite, and now it's kind of with the Jones injury, it's kind of swung back the other way. Usually you don't see non-quarterbacks affect the line so much. You saw it with Kelsey, and Kelsey is the exception rather than the rule in terms of uh, skilled players. But uh, for whatever reason, Atlanta's getting a lot of uh, later money this week. Uh, and they're now the favorite by a point, point and a half. But uh, my, of course, my final sports short. Let me will, guess. Will be my Seattle Mariners another winning streak? Yeah, uh, well, uh, we, modest you know, two game. Yeah. After that first loss, that was just an absolute. Uh, you know, if I had hair left, uh, all of it would be torn out because they've that, had a few of those losses. Oh my god, it just seems like it's one right after another. Every loss seems like it's just, uh, it's just. Painful. A Greek tragedy. The but way they uh yeah, so let's see here. We're we got sixteen games left in the season, 81-65. They are a game and a half behind the Houston Astros. I I told you that the Astros have got a lot easier schedule these final 16 games. They got three games with the Astros. The Mariners do. Um, but the Astros have got a much easier schedule where um the Mariners this weekend playing the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Clayton Kershaw will be on the bump on Saturday. They're basically—I didn't check it right now—but Kirby's going tonight, and they're like basically it's a pick'em game. So just find a way to win this one game, so it's not a disaster. Because if Kershaw is Kershaw, and you got Bryce Miller what going, year, what kind of years he have? Oh, he's having What's a really good he, year. Yeah, and we
3: just used Castillo in game the final right. series wrap up against the Angels. So. Yeah,
1: I, I don't know who the Dodgers are going to use on Sunday, but uh, Logan will be pitching on Sunday. Then three against the A's, then three against the Rangers on the road. Then home the last seven games: Houston for three, and the Rangers for four. And you know, uh, right now, if the season ended today, they'd be you know uh, the third wild card. They'd be ahead of uh, Toronto. Uh, They're ahead of Toronto right now by a game and a half. They're uh, in essence almost like in a tie. With Or they're a game behind uh, the Rangers, uh, 82-64, we're 81-65. So, uh, you know, I I think the second wild card's in play. But then again, the second wild card might not be where you want to play. You might want to play, uh, you know, playing the Twins in the first round. is. If you're not going to win a division, winning the division is obviously the most important thing because... You, the winner of that division is going to get a buy that that first round. But do you, do you want to play the Rays or you want to play uh, the Twins? Twins, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's that's the, the dilemma there. But you, you know you, you really can't yeah you know you can't really manipulate it too much because you just got to win b- baseball you games. Can't you can't afford to. Yeah, you, you, might, you might not be playing any games after the regular season. And That's the thing. I think the 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 seven games against the the Rangers, the Mariners play. If one team goes five and two. Then the the Blue Jays might be able to, you know, get in there. But the Blue Jays have a tough schedule. They're down free there. falling too. Yeah, they've they've they lost they lost a four game series to the Rangers. So that's why the Rangers wow. are are now back in it, right in it uh, once again. But uh, Toronto has a tough uh, tough road. Remember, we were talking about how they had an easy schedule, and like and then all of a sudden it got tough. They got to play Tampa and they got to play uh, the Yankees a whole bunch. And the Yankees are playing a lot looser, freer, and all that. I wouldn't want to play the Yankees right now. Um, so I I do think playoffs are definitely in play, and we'll see uh, how it goes those uh, final sixteen games. And of course, uh, remember I've talked about the season long bet I had. The over under was eighty seven and a half. They got to go seven and nine in oh. those final sixteen games to uh, get me the uh, the coveted eighty eight wins. I, they better get there because that it helps
3: having three with Oakland.
1: Yes,
2: yes. So um, didn't Oakland just beat Houston? Did they shut them out two days? Two days in a row.
1: Yeah, they they did all right. I mean, for Oakland right now, they're five and five in their last ten, which is like a yeah a major they, major winning. Kansas streak for them. City might end up
3: with the worst record in baseball, mm. worse than Oakland. It's possible.
1: Yep. Um So there there is your your There's final your, Seattle Mariners update. Sports short seven and
2: nine to win your wager. Then, huh? Yep. Okay, you got a good chance of that. It sounds like. Well, they, Bill they, just.
3: They, Probably need to win 10 games to make the playoffs, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it just depends on how bad Toronto does. You know, Toronto doesn't do very well. They don't put the pressure on. They could probably go that 7-9, and maybe maybe get it, you know, be the third spot. But, uh, you know, when you play 7 against another team, there's that potential there. You, know, you all of a sudden go two and five, and then what if you go one and six, and one of you, you know, the the nightmare scenarios, if you will. By the way, he's worth another mention, but Julio Rodriguez. Is, oh my, he's goodness. a superstar. He is just incredible, just incredible. The second half he is having is just it's off yeah. the charts. He you know, was hitting like in in late May, it was hitting like two twenty or something hmm. like that. We're sitting there going, it's- oh man. Now I, I know he was leading the league in the hits. Yeah, and eh. hes I think he's got 68 extra
3: base hits now, 30 stolen bases, playing a good center field. I yeah, mean,
1: I enjoyed how Otani was not in the lineup the uh, last uh, three games, because uh, I know the Seattle fans would have uh, been serenading him uh, with uh, adoration and saying, come to Seattle. Yeah, let's say there's Seattle's listed as the Third
3: choice on yeah. the betting line to get him behind you the Dodgers and the Giants. Last I saw,
1: so is we'll that see.
2: something that might happen for next season? Even well, yeah, yeah. he's, he's a, going. He's not going to stay.
1: He's not going to stay at the Angels. I don't. Okay. Think. He's going I, somewhere. Yeah, he's going somewhere. It's, and it'll be paid uh, close to a half a billion dollars wow. probably over the course of the contract. Yeah. Okay, sports shorts in the books. Uh, Bill,
2: just let's go. You can go right into uh, some selections for this weekend.
1: All right. So Saturday, uh, the seventh race, there's a horse making a big drop. And I think he's going to get a pretty good tri- trip in here, the four-horse laprino Now, he's been in all sprint races this season. He won a starter allowance back on July 9th. And the last time he's been on the racetrack was uh, August the 18th. But uh, you look at his uh, his record at the distance of a mile, he's four for eight lifetime. Yeah. And on top of that, there's some speed in the race. You got Cobra Jet, a view from above, Mosquito Fleet, all got early speed. Rip City uh, is in the race. He's never been on dirt before. He's a big question mark. But uh, Laprino and get, uh, Rocco Bowen uh, are interesting to me uh, in Saturday's seventh race. And- Ditto,
2: ditto from me on Laprino What's his morning line? Uh, Nine to two. Okay. Uh oh Sounds like I missed it. You know, and he's not that far off from a win. He won a sprint here two races back. So uh, that record at the mile, I'm with you on that one, Bill.
1: Well, we already mentioned 40 smooches. It won't be a big prize like him in the third. Okay. Um, We talked about uh, 40 smooches a couple times that race. Uh, two back, he got he made a a big middle move into some a teeth of some very hot fractions and a firm chief came from way off the pace. Last time was six furlongs and uh, you know didn't have a good trip at all and and finished fourth. But he won't be a big price. Uh, there is a horse in the second race at Emerald Downs on closing day. The two are its first endeavor, making a you know mile drop from fifteen main claiming fifteen to maiden claiming eight. But what I like about it is that I have a, a little bit of a bump at the start for, in his last race on August 27th and the trouble might doesn't have much uh, listed there and this is a wide open race there's there you know favorite might be pedal the metal would you remember that yeah That's... definitely pedal the metal yeah and and in that race that he had the trouble on August 27th he finished uh a couple lengths behind him. And he didn't have that good start, and now Pedal to the Metal came back to finish second. Finish second at this class level, so he fits the race, and he'll be a big price uh, for Howard Belvoir. And you get uh, Rocco Bowen. Alex stays with Pedal to the Metal, which I understand, but uh, Rocco Bowen, uh, first time with uh, first endeavor for Howard Belvoir, is a horse I like in race number two on closing day. Okay, and
2: uh, I'm going to go to the Gottstein. On closing day, and I'm going to take a horse that hasn't run at Emerald Downs. Lonesome boy. Uh, you know, I, I temper myself with two-year-old Shipping, but he's been here for a work in the barn of Candy Criderman. Um, I It's hard to, you know, really select one horse for the Gotstein of the Emerald Downs runners. I mean, minor leagues out of a smart strike mare. Um... And Rimrock Lake, out of Nightwalker, who is a sister to Wasserman, she won six races. They were all sprints. She routed twice and was terrible. That's just, you know, a slight note there on the female side of Rimrock Lake, as these horses are all stretching out to a mile and a sixteenth. Um, La Push is out of a dam by the name of Weekend Romance, who won four out of 11, 272,000, won a Woodbine Stake. She was pretty much a seven furlong horse. But uh, she did run two turns in a stake uh, going at at Woodbine and led for quite a way before fading. Not great distance on that side, but by West Coast, who was, of course, an outstanding two-turn horse. So Push has that going for Um, Lonesome Boy for Kreiderman. Rocco Bowen rides uh, two sprints at parks, both very short races. Closing second in his debut in a 10-horse field, and then he ran a good fourth uh, in an 11-horse field coming from well off the pace, and he had a rough trip that day. So he was running at the end. He's by nationhood out of Atta Girl Pearl and of Boy Roy Dam, but that dam is a sister to Val Serre, who was stakes placed in the Gottstein. And three forks gold. Who was stakes placed in the Washington Cup uh, three-year-old race? Both those are two turns. So, a little bit of uh, route history in the female side there. I'll give Lonesome Boy a slight nod. I think you had him at five to one. Five, yeah. I'm a little disappointed in
3: that. It's um, a tough race. I mean, I wanted more events. Yeah, people are going to see those buyers that are pretty big for the field, and it's it's you know you got a seven to two morning line favorite, which tells you if you like someone in that race, you're probably going to get a pretty decent price that certainly is a wild card horse the one you mentioned there
1: yeah i'm kind of interested in la push Mm because i remember her debut she had the rail and she walked out of the gate and then all of a sudden turned it on like uh like the others were uh going in quicksand and she uh she impressed the heck out of me in that uh Yes, and that August twelfth, the uh, maiden win, and uh, you know Wenzel's got two in there, got uh, minor league as well. I think it's the favorite, seven to two favorite. Yes. Yeah, and uh, made big improvements in career start number two. So I think both Wenzel, the the, yeah. the Colt, and the Philly don't don't sleep on the Philly, even though she has an outside post. If she she uh, can break from the gate a little bit better. She's she's interesting uh, in, in the Godstein, I think, at a decent price. Yeah, I'd put her second.
2: I've already made my top four for that race. Um, her dam, Weekend Romance, who I talked about her race record, which was quite good um, production-wise, she has produced four winners from five previous starters, Weekend Romance. so And that's not counting La Push. So a good female family by West Coast, a young stallion. And uh, yeah, her future is all out there. And Carlos Montalvo, by the way, does stick with minor league for Tom Wenzel. Yeah, and Yeah.
1: He, he did ride La Push in her debut. Oh, well, while we're talking, uh, the stakes rate, well, we already talked a little bit about, you know, Sluice mm-hmm. Tisway is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. je- you know no, no price at all in the Muckleshoot Tribal Classic. But the, the uh, Walk Cup Philly and Mayor, uh, uh Miles 16th race, uh, this is that's an interesting race, you yeah. know. I, uh, Anthony's Cleopatra coming in from Northern California for trainer Tim McKenna coming off of her career best win, winning a, a sprint race at Golden Gate. And then Blazing Bella Blues, no stranger to anyone follows the racing at Emerald Downs went north of the border last time out and lost to a, 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 a the, yeah. the winner of that race is, has a tremendous record. So that, that third is not a bad third at all. And uh, Blazing Bella Blues had some, Interesting trips uh, this season at, at Emerald Downs. It does have a stakes win. It's going to be an interesting battle between those two. And then then you got Young Life Loras coming off of two very sharp sprint wins um, for trainer Hilario Perez. And then Zippin Sevens, who gets finally to gets to do. go around the ground for the first time this season. And she is a much better mare going around a ground. Yeah. And I, you know... She, I I might she might sneak into my uh, top 2 when it's all said and done. I haven't, you know, fully committed to my picks yet, but she she might be one that uh, is a decent price that I might have to uh, take a strong look at cuz Anthony's Cleopatra, even though uh, she's coming off of that big win. You know, she's over 2 on on the dirt mm-hmm. and and that's um, that's a little bit of a question mark there, even though one of the races was an open stake at, uh, Pleasanton. And I see both of them were, uh, open stakes races at Pleasanton. Um, but, uh, yeah, fun race. That seventh it race. Is. Um, I can't wait to, uh, call it and, uh, look at it a little bit closer in the next couple
2: of days. Indeed. Yeah. And, uh, trainer Alan Bozell, we caught Zipping Sevens for training day yesterday And uh, he mentioned to, as he was going by, go, oh boy, she's doing good. (laughs) So there's that, you know, a little towel from the trainer. And he Mm -hmm. does get on uh, his horses. He's got a gallop guy as well, but he gets on quite a few Yeah, and as
3: Bill said, this is kind of what she's wanted to do. I know things haven't really worked out well for her so far this year, um, but this would certainly be a great way for Boz and owner Mike Phillips to end the meet. Yep. She...
2: Won uh, the Distaff in 2022 and just missed in, the, in this race last year behind Blazing Bella Blue as we played that at the top of the show. Okay. Selections and uh, time for our trivia, as we will have a show next week, Vince, um, with... Uh, we will? Yeah. Recap show. Fair enough. All right. Last week's <laughs> trivia was... Uh, which is the oldest Emerald Downs track record at a mile and an eighth or shorter. It is Kid Catabatic's mile at a 16th in 1998, 139 and three. He was one of our top horses in our first, you know, five to 10 seasons. He was outstanding, won the mile in 97. And you remember whose state record he broke in that race? Um mile on the sixteenth, Washington Championship. Exactly. Yeah. Eagle Crest went 39 and 4 at Long Acres, defeating Tilt the Balance in the Mile winner, Trooper 7 in that Washington Championship. That was a freakish race that yeah. day, yeah. So Russ Nakagawa got it. More more stuff for Russ. Uh, he got Kid Catabatic. So our final trivia question: which horse is running the most? Washington Cups? Most participations in the Washington Cup, which started in two thousand three. Send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks to John Lindley and David Marble Singer for joining us. And hope to see you at the track. Some great stuff going on at Emerald Downs this Sunday. Horse Racing Northwest.